0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. So good to be here in God's house, God's day with God's people. And uh, I so appreciate this first word. I love I love the teaching and the word of God and how it, how it makes itself alive to us. And we're gonna to go today to Genesis chapter 17, give honor to our great pastor, love and appreciate him so much, and I give honor to you, the saints, the saints of God. Genesis chapter 17, beginning at verse 19. Verse 19 says this, and God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him And will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21 But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. I just want to talk for a few moments today on what God sees on what God sees. Could you put your Bibles down and lift your hands one more time? Ask the Lord to touch us today. Lord, we're so thankful. We thank you for your word today. Ask that you would show yourself strong to us, Lord. God, touch every heart. Help us to hear what you would say to the church. God, we ask it, bring clarity to us today in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. God bless you, you can be seated what God sees, what God sees. My covenant will I establish with Isaac. God is only recognizing what he has blessed, not what others bless, what what God has blessed. God is, is making it plain to Abraham, just to clear up any confusion, that my covenant is with Isaac. It's not with Ishmael. We only have to flip back a couple of chapters to find both a sonless and an airless Abram. Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse two. This is God speaking to Abram. He said, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. God is addressing a childless man, and while he is talking to the man, he is referring to nations. And he said, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's a promise to you and me. Verse seven, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. God once again is talking to the 75 year old Abram about descendants that he will produce. Does, Abraham ha- does Abram, excuse me, have any children at this point? No, he does not. Is God aware that Abram does not have any children at this point? Yes, he is. So just to set a baseline, God is speaking a word of promise to Abram about what God is going to do through him. God is stating that he will take care of fulfilling his promise because God is speaking to his future, not his present, to his future. And so some time passes and Abram and his family, they, they begin to travel and they experience some, some, pretty radical, some pretty radical things happen to them. Abram, he, he lies about his wife Sarai to, Pharaoh in the land of Egypt and that ended bad and they they end up having to leave and there's some tension now in the family between Abram and his nephew Lot about the space needed for their flocks And, and Lot separates from Abram and in Genesis chapter 13 verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. The Bible does not say that he went directly to Sodom, which was exceedingly wicked, but the Bible does say that Lot simply pitched his tent towards it. He opened up the possibility of pointing himself in the direction that he never should have gone, and you will always end up in the direction that you're pointed. And as a result, chapter 14 tells us that Lot now has been taken captive by the very thing that he pointed himself towards. And as a result, Abram and 318 men, they must now arm themselves and they pursue and they engage in a battle to rescue Lot and his house. I'm not sure the last time that you had to arm yourself and make shift your own minute-men men militia, but I haven't had to do that. Some radical things that Abram goes through. And, and after all of this really kind of bizarre circumstances brought on by choices, we finally get back to the topic of an heir in chapter 15, verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless. Abram is bringing up the obvious now to God. And the steward of my house is this Eliza of Damascus. I do not believe that Abraham doubted God's promise or his power to fulfill his covenant but it's been years now. Years have passed and nothing has happened. Verse three, and Abram said, "'Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, "'and lo, one born in my house is mine heir.'" He's talking of Elizer here. He, he's referring to Eliza that was born in Abraham's house. Abraham is suggesting to the Lord that he be permitted to adopt Eliza as his heir. Tablets have been discovered that show that it was customary at the time for wealthy, childless couples to adopt a servant and to make them their heir. But that would have been in Abram's power. Here is the first sign that we see where Abram tries to produce an alternative to the word that God has spoken. Verse four, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thine heir. The word of the Lord came to him and said, no, Eliezer will not be thine heir. When Abraham asked, God gave him an answer. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be in thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward the heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, and he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. God keeps showing Abram not the past. He keeps showing him not the present, but the future of what the promise of his covenant holds. But here's what happens in chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Now anytime that you read about Egypt in the Bible, it is often a representative of of what the world is today. It's it's a sign of sin, it's a sign of of bondage, it's a sign of, of culture that is against God. And here we have this handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name Is Hagar. And Sarai comes and offers Hagar to Abram, but it is not possible to take a worldly alternative and produce a spiritual promise. Who has been Abram's wife from the beginning of the covenant? Sarai. In fact, Sarai is so important within the covenant That when Abram tries to pass her off as his sister to Pharaoh, Pharaoh decides to take Sarai and to make her his wife. That Genesis chapter 12 verse 17 records the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. Why? Because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Sarah is so important and is so needed in order to produce what God has promised. It is not only an heir of Abram, but the Lord has also chosen Sarai to be a part of the covenant. And yet here in Genesis chapter 16 verse two, it is Sarai that is talking. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I obtain children by her. And here is where everything changes. The Bible says that and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. This is the moment. This is the linchpin of the entire story. This sets the stage for the rest of time. Because Abram hearkened to the voice of God? No. Abram hearkened to the voice of something other than God. Who had God spoken to in chapter 12 about his covenant? It was Abram. Flipping back a few chapters to Genesis chapter two, verse 16, we read of another instance where the Lord commanded the man, this being Adam. The Lord spoke to Adam saying, of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God's instruction, about the tree of knowledge had been given to Adam. That's why, as pastor teaches, when Eve ate of the tree, nothing happened. Paradise had not yet been lost. But when Adam ate of it, the Bible says in Genesis 3:7, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What is the first thing that Adam and Eve do? They go to the earth to try to provide an alternative to something that God never intended for them to need. And all Adam had to do was say no. All he had to do was say no. Why? Because the covenant of the voice of God was with Adam. God's gift of choice is one of the greatest gifts that he could give us. The ability to say no to the things that are against the voice of God. Adam had the ability. Adam had the position. Adam had the authority to be able to have said no and nothing would have happened. The ability that we have to say no to things that are contrary to the word of God is a gift from God. Genesis chapter 3, 17 goes on to say, "Adam uh, and, uh, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast what? Hearkened unto who? The voice of thy wife. The voice of God? No. He listened to a voice that was contrary to that of God's. And because he ate of the tree, I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And Adam has now to suffer conflict in his life because he hearkened unto a voice other than God's that was contrary to what God had said and just as when Adam went along with a voice other than God's we read in chapter 16 verse 2 Abram does as well and both have devastating eternal results. Genesis chapter 16 verse 2 and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. All Abram had to do was say no. All he had to do was tell Sarai, no, that's not what God said he would do. But now Abram is 85. Things aren't looking good for the promise coming to pass. And Abram, in a moment of compromise, he goes to the world to try to fulfill what only God said he would do. Verse three, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, to the, Egypt, maid the Egyptian. And Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and what happened? She conceived. Because the world will always take advantage and will always try to offer an alternative to God's word when given the chance. Verse 15, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram, called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. Who named this son? Abram did. And Abram was fourscore and six years old. How old was he when Sarai gave Hagar to Abram? He was 85. How old is he when Ishmael's born? 86. There was a quick turnaround whenever he sought something other than God because the world will always produce an alternative as quick as it can. And out of that moment of compromise would come the Arab nations that have now been in constant conflict with the descendants of God's covenant people ever since. Thirteen years now have passed since the birth of Ishmael, and we find Abram in Genesis chapter 17, verse one. Abram now is 90 years old and nine the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. God changed his name to reflect his promise before he has a covenant child. Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt no more call her Sarah, but Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. God is not addressing Hagar. God is not compromising on what he said was possible. God does not need assistance to fulfill his word. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He is able to bring about whatever he said that he will do regardless of how hopeless or how impossible it may look. God does not need our help. God does not need our efforts. God does not need us to step in his place. When God said it will happen, it will happen by his word. Oh, could you clap your hands today? He's not referencing Hagar. He's referencing Sarah. Verse 16, and I will bless her. Who? Sarah. And I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram. Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said in his heart shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, oh that Ishmael might live before thee. Again now we see Abraham trying to pass off a compromise in lieu of a covenant. And God said Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed and thou shalt call his name Isaac. In the last chapter, we see where Abraham named Ishmael, but here we see where God names Isaac because God will always establish a name with his covenant. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and he will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21. But just in case you forget, Abraham, let me clear this up right now. My covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Whenever God steps in, now there's a time. It's time. Now, Abraham, it's time. I know that you've grown weary. I know that you've been waiting. I know that it hasn't made sense. But now, now it's time for my word to be fulfilled. Now God has set a time of when it will come to pass. And guess what happens in chapter 21, verse one. And the Lord visited Sarah, what? As he had said. And the Lord did what? He did unto Sarah as he had spoken. God, all by himself, He stepped in and he fulfilled what he had promised. For Sarah conceived the very thing nobody believed was possible. The very thing that everyone had given up on. The very thing that now looked like it would never happen, happens. And just as God said it would. And she bare Abraham a son in his old age (laughs) at the set time of which God had spoken to him. He was on time with what he said would happen. Oh, he shows up right on time. It may not be when you want it, but it's going to be on God's time. And whenever God said now is the time, it's going to happen regardless of how dead the situation may look. Whenever God steps in, life becomes available at the set time. And everyone, everyone's so excited. Everyone's, everyone's happy. Everyone's rejoicing. And Abraham throws a big feast and there are celebrations. But now, now there's a new problem. Abraham, who would be the father of many nations, now is also the father of two sons. One that had been born out of spiritual covenant and one that has been born out of a moment of worldly compromise. Verse nine, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham Mocking. Now, there is conflict. Now, there's conflict in the home between covenant and between the compromise. Because compromise with the world will always lead to conflict in your home. Conflict. That was never supposed to be there. Conflict that was never intended for Abraham to have to deal with. Conflict that could have been avoided if Abraham would have just said no. And now, Abraham has to deal with the result of a decision during a moment listening to a voice that wasn't God's and now Abraham, he has to get the compromise out of his house because covenant and compromise cannot remain in the same house and there will come a point where you have to make a decision to send one of them away. Verse 14, and Abraham rose up early in the morning And he took bread and a bottle of water and he gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child. And what does he do? He sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And it grieved Abraham because of the child. And now now Abraham, the father of many nations, now he only has one son living with him, and his name is Isaac. In Genesis chapter 22, verse one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, "Abraham." And he said, "Behold here am I." And he said, Take now thy son. Look at this next part, thine only son, Isaac. Just to recap, does Abraham have more than one son? Yes, he does. Does God know that Abraham has two sons? Yes, he does. But God only sees his covenant
1: with Abraham.
0: Take thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and after him there for and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee, thine only son Ishmael is still alive, but God in his mercy, he overlooks the shortfall of a moment in Abraham's life and God no longer has to go around trying to clarify which son he's talking about. He doesn't have to always try to bring up a past mistake. God said that my covenant will be with Isaac and God does not hinder the blessing that is upon Abraham's life because of one momentary mistake. God only sees Isaac. God only sees his covenant. God only sees your future. God only sees what he's promised you. God looks past the things that we've done and he looks forward into the word that he's proclaimed to you and to your family. And Abraham takes the blessing of what only God sees. And he takes that blessing and he goes to the mountains of Moriah And he takes with him the fulfillment of his promise that's who he's got tagging along it's the fulfillment of promise verse seven and isaac spake unto abraham his father and he said my father and he said here am i my son and he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering isaac's catching on and abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb. I believe that was a moment of prophecy too. He will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What is he laying upon the altar of wood? It is the fulfillment of his promise. He lays it there and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham is prepared to sacrifice his beloved Isaac. We know how the story ends. But at this moment, Abraham is fully prepared to offer his son upon this altar. Hebrews 11 verse 17 gives us a glimpse of just what was in Abraham's faith and how it has grown in this moment. Verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Abraham when he was tried, he offered up Isaac and he that had received the promises offered up his only, there it is again, begotten son. 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, for whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham's faith has expanded so much in this moment. He goes there prepared to offer his son a sacrifice that was what was going on in his mind and by faith he said i'm going to go and i'm going to offer him but i know that god can raise him up from the dead that's where abraham's at right now he's fully prepared to do what what god has asked him to do he's ready to fulfill the word of god he's ready He's brought his promise. He's laid it on the altar. He's ready to do what God asked, even though it doesn't make sense. But he still says, I know even if I do it, I know that God's able to raise him from the dead. Abraham now has faith for things he's not even seen. Genesis 22, verse 11. And the angel how the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son. Here it is again, thine only son from me. a second time, everyone say a second time. Yeah, he spoke a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, here it is again, thine only son. God just keeps reaffirming only what he sees, that in blessing I will bless thee. Catch this part, and in multiplying. I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. The first word that came from heaven, it brought protection to the promise. And the second word from heaven, it multiplied what God had chosen to protect. There was exponential growth now whenever God was speaking to Abraham. It says, and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And here is the entire point of what I wanna make this morning in this next verse, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou has obeyed my voice. Here's where it all led. Here's where everything culminated. What had been the test? What had been the trial that God wanted to see out of Abraham? Is Abraham, will you obey my voice? even when you don't understand it? Can you listen to my voice now? And can you offer up what I've blessed, even if it doesn't make sense? Abraham proved that he was willing to give up what God required of him. Nobody else. God asked it of Abraham. God will ask things of you, not other people, of you. Are you prepared to obey what God asks of you? Are you prepared to obey the Word of God in your life? And when God saw that Abraham was willing to deny what he wanted. And to put his own personal desires aside. Then God knew that he was willing to obey his voice. Not the voice of anybody else. But he was willing to obey the voice and the word of God. Today as we stand, I'm going to ask you just for a moment if you could just lift your hands. and Could we just ask the Lord today? God, we want to be able to deny ourselves, Lord. We want to be able to hearken ourselves unto your voice. God, let your word be made manifest in our heart today. Search us, O God. We ask it, Lord. Touch us today.